Good morning. He is risen. risen It's great to be here worshiping God with you today on Easter Sunday. And thank you to Winsome and the worship team for uh, leading us in such a joyful uh, worship. That's what we should be. This today is a day of rejoicing. And as we uh, as we continue to worship God, as we continue to rejoice and remember what uh, uh, what Christ has done for us on the cross and for what God has done in resurrecting Him, in bringing Him back to life and through that in giving us life, I want us to join together and just in this simple reading uh, together, this responsive reading. And you see, you can just follow. Uh, I'll, I'll start reading and you can just follow along uh, joining with us, uh, joining with me in the parts that are labeled congregation. Reflecting. Here we're reflecting on Easter and on the resurrection that we're celebrating today. So let's read together. Lord, we gather to celebrate Your resurrection, Your love, and Your grace. In the past, we have closed our hands into a fist and defiantly said no to You. Your hands were hands that sought to reconcile and not to exclude. We want our hands to be like Yours. We want our hands to build and to not destroy. We want our hands to be clean and our hearts to be pure. We worship You, a living, resurrected, and reigning Lord. We extend our hands to You in worship. In the name of a Savior, whose hands were pierced for us. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come once again to You and we are thankful for what You have done, for sending Your Son to die and living and giving Him life, resurrecting Him from the tomb, bringing Him back from the dead, and in that, giving us life. And Lord, in that, we rejoice. We rejoice in the life that we have uh, through Your Son, Jesus. And now, Lord, as we turn to Your Word, as we open Your Word, give us understanding. Help us to learn today. Help us to know You and understand what You have done. And help us draw closer to You as we listen to you now, in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, it's maybe a little bit late now, but wouldn't it have been great to see the Canucks roll into some kind of uh, winning streak towards the end of the season? You know, I, th- I think uh, if I understand it correctly, at the at right now we're we're officially eliminated from any uh, any uh, playoff contention. So now we're fighting for the first round draft pick and seeing how maybe if we if we can't get into the playoffs maybe we can uh, get the first round uh, draft pick but isn't it wouldn't it be great to see as you approach the end of the season and your team like the Canucks is sitting there at the towards the bottom and to to watch them roll into an extended winning streak where they start to win game after game they start to make a comeback to climb their way up the the, the rankings, and to see them into a playoff position, maybe just getting that last one 
And then battling through the playoffs and finding some victories and maybe getting through the first round and even the second round. That is so exciting, isn't it? To see that kind of comeback with a sports team that we love. To see them battling back. And it doesn't matter whether it's the Canucks or whoever. We enjoy watching the underdog come back and make that, bring that victory out of what seems to be defeat. It's exciting. And it fills us with joy. It's, it's, it's actually much more of a joy if you have your, your team uh, come back from a low position and go on to win the Stanley Cup. As it looks right now, the Capitals will probably just steamroll over everybody and we'll all go, yeah, that's what we expected, right? Like, and, and the, you know, it's okay. There'll be some good hockey games to watch along the way, but, but, but it's not going to be all that exciting, right? Because that's what we sort of are ex- is expecting is going to happen. It's when something unexpected comes. When that underdog fights back and, and bring, comes to victory. When that one that we thought were, was going to lose you know, comes up and, 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 and comes up with that great victory. That really is exciting. That's what fills us with excitement and what fills us with joy. As we stop today and think, take a few minutes here and think about the Easter story and think about what, what happened at Easter. You know, it's no spoiler here to say we know who wins. We know He is risen from the dead. We know that Jesus defeated death. He conquered death. And He won. He came back at the last minute when it seemed all hope was gone. Think about that situation. He's there. He's been crucified. He's been punished. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. He's nailed to a cross. He dies on that cross. His side is pierced. He's taken. He's put in the tomb. The tomb is sealed. The soldiers are there guarding the tomb. There is no victory here. It's defeat. If you looked at it, you'd say the Romans have won. His opponents have won. There is no victory. There's no comeback in this situation. And yet, here we are on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday. There is victory. There is a winner. Jesus has conquered the death. Jesus has come back to life. Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. This is the comeback story to end all comeback stories. And here we have an opportunity to look at that story here in Matthew 28, verses 1-9. to So I want us to, to take these few minutes here this morning and reflect a bit on, uh, on the resurrection on Jesus coming back from the dead. So let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 9. Matthew records for us. He says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. 
For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell His disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, He said. They came to Him, clasped His feet, and worshipped Him. In this story of the resurrection, I want us to stop and to see a few things about this story. About the, that we just have a few people here involved in this, in this little uh, bit of text here. We have a couple of ladies. We have an angel and some guards. And what was happening there on that, uh, on that day? On that morning when the ladies went back to the tomb, what do we see? The first thing we see, we see in verses 4 and 5, we see fear. There is fear. It says, it says the guards were afraid of Him. The guards were afraid of this angel. And it says in verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. So everyone was afraid. Here this angel comes down. The guards are there. The women are there at the tomb. And the angel comes down and everybody's afraid. They're all filled with fear. The guards, the women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there and they were filled with fear just at the appearance of the angel. The angel didn't need to do anything, but they were afraid. And there's nothing really unusual about that. We're, all, we're afraid when we see angels. I mean, how many of us, if we ever saw an angel, what would our response be? It's like, oh, okay, we're afraid. Something is happening here. I don't know what. Something out of my control, something out of my experience is happening here. Here is an angel come down. Something is going to happen here. Something important is about to happen. Something powerful is about to happen. So, of course, it's a natural response to be fearful then. And they were afraid. It's interesting as we think about this, the angel coming right at this time of resurrection that Jesus seems to have angels hanging around Him at important events in His life. We look at, uh, at, at the beginning of Jesus' life. The angels come and talk to Mary and tell Mary what's going to happen, that, the, that, that she's going to conceive this child. And this is what child is going to be Jesus. The angels come and speak to Joseph and say, Joseph, don't worry. Go ahead. And, and Mary this young woman that you're engaged to. So the angels come, are there, uh, even at, at, at Jesus' conception. The angels spoke to Him. Spoke to, to Mary and Joseph. At His birth, the angels come and they speak to the shepherds. And they say something. They tell them what to do. And they tell them what's happened. After Jesus was tempted, He spent 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted. And there were the angels to minister to Him. And now here, uh, at the resurrection, here are the angels again. And so we see that the angels have made these appearances at these important points in Jesus' life. And the response of the people who are there when the angels come is fear. We're afraid when the angels make their appearances. Even the soldiers feared, and we don't know what they, 
might have been uh, what they might have known about angels, or how they might have uh, understood these uh, heavenly creatures coming down and 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 making an appearance. We don't know exactly what the soldiers were thinking, but they were afraid. The guards were afraid. Something very unusual, something powerful was happening here, and that's why there's fear in the presence of angels, when they make a visible appearance, the response naturally is one of fear. We're afraid of things that happen that are out of the ordinary. We kind of, we kind of like our lives to roll through day by day, just sort of ordinary things that we expect to happen. Uh, we, 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 we're comfortable with that. So we know day by day, Uh, We kind of expect what's naturally going to happen as we go through life day by day. And yet, here's something very unexpected. And the response is fear. Often, that's how we respond. When something unexpected happens, we respond with fear. And so, these uh, the, the, the two Marys, the guards, are just regular people. And they have they see this angel, and there is fear. But they know something... Unexpected, something extraordinary is going to happen. Angels don't come just to tell you, just keep rolling day by day the way things are going. You know, an angel doesn't come down and visit you and say, yeah, your life is just going to carry on as normal for the next few months. Don't worry, I'm, you know, I just thought I'd come and say hello. No, they don't do that. They come when something unexpected is going to happen. And that's what the fear is coming from, something unexpected. Then we see that the angel then uh, stops and doesn't speak to the guards, but we see in verse 5 to 7, the angel turned to the women and give them some instructions. So the angel uh, doesn't have anything to say to the guards, but turns to the women. The angel knows the key people to talk to here. And they're women. Isn't this interesting to note that all the guys have bailed out on Jesus here. The guys have, have done a runner they somehow have, uh, have abandoned them. At the cross, the soldiers are there, bystanders are there, uh, but it's the women who are there. The women who were following Jesus, they were there. They were there at the cross, but the guys have bailed out. The guys have gone their own way. We don't know exactly what was going on in their minds. Maybe they were fearing that they were going to be uh, persecuted or thrown in jail or whatever it was, but somehow the, the men have decided it's time to, to leave. Who goes back to the tomb first? It's the ladies. The ladies are there. So the men could have gone back. There's nothing exciting going to happen at the tomb. The men could have gone back to, to see what's going to happen, but they aren't there. It's the ladies. The ladies are the ones who go back. They're the ones who stand and, and, and are counted as followers of Jesus. The one time the men could have really manned up and gone back and done what they, could, what they should have done, they run. Props to the ladies on this one. They did well. They went back. They knew what Jesus had said and they knew uh, that He had said that He was going to rise on the third day. And they go back to the tomb and we don't know exactly what they were expecting Uh, but they're there. And so the angel speaks to them. The angel says to the women, he gives them some instructions here. First, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
And this is often the first thing that the angels say when they encounter people because the, the first reaction of people as the angels come is that they're afraid. And so the first thing that the angels do is reassure the people, don't be afraid. It's okay. You know, I haven't come here to, 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 to knock you out. I haven't come here to, to, to smite you from the face of the earth, to destroy you and to wipe you out. Don't worry. I've just got a message for you. And so that's the angels come with their typical greeting. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so he tells them this. The first thing he says is don't be afraid. Then he says, then he gives them a, a little bit of instruction. He gives them a little, uh, uh, a little uh, he tells them something. He gives them a little bit of information here. He says, I know what you're looking, I know you're looking for Jesus. So that's interesting. He knows why they're there. He knows they've come looking for Jesus. And he says, your mission is not uh, is futile. Your mission is, is, is not going to happen. You're not going to do what you came to do. You came here looking for Jesus who was crucified, but He's not there. He's not here. You've come looking for Jesus, but He's not here. He's risen. Something remarkable has happened here. Jesus has made a comeback. He's come back to life. And so the angel has this word for the, for the two Marys. That He is risen. And so He, he gives them this, this little bit of instruction. And He says that uh, Jesus is not here. The one you're looking for is not here. He's risen. You know, you think about this. Think about these women. Because we come at this story, we already know the end, but think of the women. They would have faced the defeat of Good Friday. Jesus' followers have all kind of scattered. They felt defeated. Their leader's been crucified. He's been sealed in a tomb. It looks like there's no way out. They're confused because He said He was going to be with them and He told them that He was coming back and He told them about the things He was going to do and yet they haven't, those things haven't been done. And they're probably feeling like our leader has deserted us. Things haven't worked out somehow the way we thought they were going to. And the hope that they had seemed to be destroyed. They were probably discouraged by the events of Friday. And here a couple of faithful women are going back to the tomb. Maybe just to make sure everything's okay. To visit the tomb. To see what's, what's happened. Just in a similar way, we sometimes go back to, to the grave of a of a loved one to put some flowers there or just to, just to stop and to take those moments to remember that person. Maybe that's what the women were there. Maybe there was some faint hope that they remembered something about, about coming back to life on the third day and they're like, well, let's go see. Let's just go see anyway. Maybe they were the only ones who really believed Jesus when He told them that, that He was going to rise on the third day. And so they went back looking for it. But here the women are, are, given, are told that Jesus is not here. You've come looking for Him. He's not here. And so he's, He has risen. Just as He said. Just as He said. The, second bit, uh, the next bit of instruction that He gives them is he, he tells them this good news. He is risen. Just as He said. And He invites the women. So He says, he, he says come and see. Come and take a look at this. He says, come and see the place where He lay. The, the angel says, come and check this out for yourself. 
So he wants them to, to have a look. Why does he want them to do that? Why does he want them to come and have a look? Because they need to make sure that he really is risen. Because you can imagine the, the questions that would come. You know, as these two Marys go back and tell the disciples and say, Jesus is not there, he's risen. His disciples are going to say, you probably went to the wrong tomb. You probably, maybe someone had moved him inside the tomb and you just went and you glanced in and you looked at the place. He wasn't really there because someone had moved him. And they needed to go and be able to say, no, he went, we went to the very tomb. We saw the place. He was not there. And that's why the, the angel invites them to come and say, come and see the place where he lay. He wants them to be able to verify in their own minds, in their own hearts, to know for sure that Jesus is not in the tomb. He wants them to be able to say, He has risen from the dead, just as He said. And so he invites the angel invites them to come and to see the place where He lay. Then the angel tells them, Go and, uh, and, and, and tell the disciples. Go and tell the disciples. He says in verse 7, Go quickly and tell His disciples He is risen from the dead and He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. And so these are the instructions that He has for them. This is now what they need to do. They need to, uh, to go ahead and tell the disciples what they have seen. To see the empty tomb. To know that Jesus has risen. This is the message that they have to give. They are not defeated. Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has not been defeated, but Jesus has defeated death. And so this is the message that he has, that the angel has for the women to carry to the others. We see that Jesus has defeated death. We've sung about that here in our songs. And we sung about death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? And that's taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 55, where Paul, quoting some of the prophets in the Old Testament, says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It has been overcome. That's what Paul is saying here. That death has no victory. Death has no sting because it's been overcome by Jesus who has come back from the dead. The Apostle Paul gets hold of that idea. That's a crucial idea. That death has been swallowed up in victory and it has no sting. We don't have to fear death. Jesus took away the fear of death that we, that we might have. Jesus has taken away the sting that death might have for us. We fear death because we don't know what's happening after. And now we do. We have life after death. Jesus has shown through His, uh, through His own body, coming back to life, being brought back to life, that there is life after death. We don't have to fear death. We know that there, there can be life after death. That's why we, we might fear death is because we might say, well, I don't know what's going to happen after death. And now, that uncertainty has been taken away. There is the possibility of life 
after death. Jesus has taken away that fear. Jesus has taken away that sting. Jesus is the One who is leading people in overcoming death. Just as death was brought into our human life by Adam, Jesus overcomes that. He counters that curse that Adam brought. And He gives us life. And yet, in in some ways, death does still have a sting for us. You know, when someone uh, passes away, a loved one passes away, we feel a loss. We feel some kind of sting. Certainly for Jesus Himself, there was a sting of death. When you think back of uh, just the the account of, of Jesus going to the cross, He prays to His Father. He says, if there is any other way, Lord, please, can we do this some other way? Why is Jesus saying that? Because this is going to be difficult for Him. He knows what's coming. He knows the pain. He knows the difficulty of the things that He's going to have to go through. And he, so He feels the sting of death in a way. He feels that penalty, that, that pain of sin. And so it has some sting. It has some pain for us. Jesus knew it. Jesus felt it. But we also know, for those who have put their trust in Christ, that death is not the end of the story. Eternal separation from God is not the end of the story. But we can have eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that's where the sting goes away. Because if we have put our trust in Christ, we know where we are going after death. And we don't have to be afraid of it. In fact, we often look forward to it. We know we're going to a place where there's no more crying or mourning or pain. And some days, don't we long for that? Don't we get up in the morning and we say, Lord, please come today. Because today is going to be a really hard one. And so we almost long for that because we know there's no sting. There's no victory in death. And so the, uh, the, uh, the angel gives these instructions to the women that they, uh, they have this good news to go and tell the disciples. Jesus is ridden, risen from the dead. There's no, no more sting to death here. He is risen from the dead. And He's going to be there. You go to Galilee and you'll find Jesus there. You'll get to see Him for yourself. So you, the, the ladies, the, Mary, the two Marys, they don't have to say, you just have to take our word for it. They say, just go to Galilee. You'll see Him for yourself you'll see this good news. So this is part of what the ladies have to announce. The good news of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. And then we move on in verse 8. We see the women, it says, now the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid. They were afraid. Here's this fear again. Not sure what the fear is this time. Maybe it's still some, some, some fear of the angel and some fear of that power. The power that has overcome death. Think about it. How would we feel if someone came back to life? You're at a funeral and the dead person comes back to life. I imagine we'd all be filled with a bit of fear. We'd be like, boy, that's an unusual occurrence. You don't see that every day at a funeral. You don't see that all the time. The dead guys come back to life. 
he stood up and he's walking around and he's talking. Yeah, fear would be a natural reaction to that. You'd be wondering, what is going on here? This is really strange. So, there's fear. So, there's fear, perhaps, of the encounter with the angel. There's fear of this dead man coming back to life. There might be fear there of the task that the angel has given to them. They could be afraid. What are the disciples going to say? When these two women go back and tell them, no, don't worry, Jesus is alive. He's come back. We've been to the tomb. We've seen Him. Now you just need to go to Galilee and wait for Him there. You can understand how the disciples might be a little skeptical of these ladies. And maybe they're a bit fearful about telling them the good news of Jesus. How would you respond if someone came and told you, yeah, you need to go and see this dead guy's come back to life. You know? Or if someone told you, if someone told you, yeah, go and tell them that a dead man has come back to life. You'd be a little fearful. What are people going to say about this? Does this sound like our life today? We might hesitate to tell people about Jesus because we want to tell them the dead guy came back to life. And we're a little bit afraid because people are going to say, what are you talking about? The dead man has come back to life? And so we hesitate. We're fearful to tell people about Jesus coming back to life. Because it's a pretty amazing story. And so maybe the, the women here, they, they're afraid because of the task that the, uh, uh, that the angel has given to them. But we also see in verse 8 that they were afraid, yet they were filled with joy. And here we come to the key point, this idea of joy. And as we've been singing this morning and as we've been praising God, we've been filled with joy because of the resurrection. There are so many reasons for joy at this point. One, at a very basic level, the team has won. Our team has come back from, from seeming defeat and has won their faith in Jesus. The years they've spent following Him, the years they've spent listening to His teaching, they've been vindicated. His words have been true. The, 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 the leader that we've been following is still there. We can still follow Him. He hasn't gone. You can imagine the joy. They thought they were defeated. They thought everything had fallen apart on Friday. And now on Sunday, they're back. And even more powerful than before. And so they're filled with joy that yes, this is all true. He has overcome what looks like defeat. They're rejoicing because Jesus' words have been fulfilled. Jesus told them that He was going to come back. Jesus told them that He was going to come back from the grave. And as hard as that was to believe, somehow they would have hoped that that would be true. And now it is true. You know, sometimes we have people who tell us that they're going to do something or that something's going to happen, and it, and it doesn't. And, and how do we feel? We can feel kind of disappointed at times that, that the person that we thought was going to do something for us isn't really going to do that. And so we're a bit disappointed. They've let us down. And there must have been a little bit of that feeling. And, now, and, 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 and there must have been some discouragement in that. That, yeah, here we thought 
uh, Jesus was going to do something and He hasn't. He's let us down. Jesus talked about victory. And once they got to know Him, they realized it wasn't quite the victory that they were hoping for. He, Jesus, they were hoping Jesus would overthrow the, the, the Romans who were oppressing their people. And so they, they were hoping that He would do this. And, and then He starts talking about this other kingdom. And uh, it, it's, it's like, okay, so He's not the leader that we thought He was going to be. And now He's defeated. And, and, and so they're, they're wondering, did I really just spend all these years of my life following Him? And now on Sunday, on the resurrection day, Jesus has come back to life and they are filled with joy. Because their hopes, their dreams have all been fulfilled. The words that their leader had told them have come true. This is, this is victory. This fills us with joy. It filled them with joy. They have been proved right. They are following a leader who can lead them into life. He has come back from the dead just as He has predicted. And so this fills them with joy. The prophecies from the Old Testament that He talked about being fulfilled in Him have come true. This is joy. This is joy that they have. They also are joyful because they've seen a great demonstration of power. The power of giving life. The power that comes from God that has given Jesus' life has brought Him back from the dead. This, the earthly power did its best to destroy Jesus. And yet, God overcame it. And maybe it wasn't quite what they were thinking was going to happen, but here it was. God has overcome death. And so they're filled with joy. They're filled with joy in the new life that they have in Jesus. They're filled with joy over the new life that they've seen in Jesus. And we can have that joy as well. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We can be that new creation the way Jesus was brought back to life. We can experience that same new creation in our lives. The old has gone. The new has come. When we've experienced that new life, we should respond in joy as well. That needs to be what's in our hearts. Joy filled up in our lives. Overflowing. Because of what Jesus has done, He has given us new life. The old, our old self is gone. The new has come. Let's rejoice. And we see that the resurrection brings life. The resurrection brings life for Jesus. Jesus comes back from the dead. And that fills His disciples. That fills the two Marys with joy. Because Jesus has come back from the dead. Jesus has brought life. And Jesus brings us life too. And that should bring us joy. That should fill us with, with great joy. Here in verse 8, it says they are filled with joy. They have, they have joy in, in life. They have joy because of what Jesus has done. We need to be filled with that same kind of joy. And it's not just a little joy, but it's great joy. It's a joy that's exceeding and huge. It's a joy that, that fills us. 
And that's what should be in our hearts because of Resurrection Sunday. We should be filled with joy. So we see the, the women there, um, uh, they, they are afraid in verse 8, that they're filled with joy. And then we see also in verse 8, we see that they are obedient. Isn't it interesting that in this joy, in this power, one of the responses of the women is to be obedient. They go and they do what they are told. It says they ran to tell his disciples. They go and tell his disciples. And it's interesting that when you look back at verse 7 there, it says, he says, the angel says to the woman, then go quickly and tell his disciples. Now, how do the women respond? They run and tell the disciples. They haven't, they haven't gone for partial obedience. They haven't gone and, and said, well, uh, well, well, we're busy today, but tomorrow we'll get to it and do it. Right away, immediately, They 100% do exactly what the angel has told them to do. He says, go quickly. And so they turn and they run to go and tell the disciples. They go and do exactly what they're told. Sometimes we struggle with that. We struggle with doing what we're told. We don't like to do uh, what we're told. We don't like to do what someone else tells us to do. We want to do our own thing. We want to do what we want to do. We say, I'm... I am an autonomous person. I am not going to do what anyone else tells me to do. I'm in control of my own life and my own destiny, so I'm going to do what I want to do. That's our normal response. But the women here, they go and they rush off and do exactly what the angel has told them to do. It might be a little harder for us because we don't like to do what what others tell us to do. I remember one time I was in to see my doctor and he, uh, he gave me some advice. And he said, you know, we don't want to put you on medication. Just, just, let, just try some lifestyle changes and we'll see if we, can, if we can get things under control just by doing that. And so I went away and went back for a follow-up. And uh, a few months later, I went back and, and, and as he talked to me, he was just filled with joy. He, uh, he, he was just so happy. And he was usually a, a pretty chill guy, pretty calm, level-headed. But, but his face was lighting up when he saw that I had done what he asked him to do. And I, I was a little surprised, honestly. And I said, so I said to him, I said, don't your patients usually follow your advice? Those of you who are medical people will know what happens next. He says, no, not usually. They usually don't follow my advice. So I'm happy because someone has actually followed my advice. Because we don't like to do what other people tell us to do. We like to do our own thing. But here, the two Marys just go off and do what the, angels, the angel told them to do. They, they run off to tell the disciples. They go quickly. But we don't like to do that. We always find a reason why we shouldn't do something. We, uh, we say, well, uh, maybe if an angel came and talked to me, I would, uh, I would do it. Maybe if, uh, you know, maybe if, if, uh, if I saw an angel come down and, and, and speak to me, then, then I would do that. Or maybe we say, well, I'm, I'm busy today. Uh, I'll see, maybe I can fit it in my schedule like next week or something. I'm not so busy next week. I can fit it in maybe Tuesday next week. Or maybe we say, well, you know, I hear that. I hear that instruction. I hear, I hear what I'm supposed to do. But, uh, but, you know, I don't think that's really for me. 
you know, it's, it's for that person sitting next to me or the one, the one behind me or, oh, I know, I know who that applies to. That applies to someone else. I don't have to do that. That's, that's for someone else. So we say these sorts of things instead of just doing what God asks us to do. What has Jesus told us to do? We live a life of faith. He's told us to believe in Him. We need to be obedient as well. We need to do what He says. Not just listen, but actually do. We need to love God, love our neighbor as ourselves. Show mercy, act justly, walk humbly before God. Tell others about Jesus. Tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, that He's risen from the dead. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And yet sometimes we don't want to do that. We can take our example from the Marys here. When they are told what to do, they just go and do it. And then the last thing we see here is in verse 9. It says that Jesus, uh, suddenly Jesus met them as they're going to see the disciples. He greets them and look at their response. They came to Him, clasped His feet, and they worshipped Him. They see Jesus. They don't engage in conversation with Him. They don't uh, wonder about Him. They just fall down and worship Him. Their first reaction, their natural reaction to Jesus being there is that they worship Him. They fall down and worship the One who has risen from the dead. And we can see two things here about that. They clasped His feet. Why is that there? It's because He was not a ghost. He was not just a spiritual vision that the women were having, but they could actually go and touch Him and clasp His feet and hold on to Him. He was physically there. He was standing there. He was not in the tomb, but He was standing there. And they touched Him. This is a demonstration of power that Jesus uh, actually physically rose from the dead. And so they could touch Him. He wasn't just a ghost. He wasn't a, a vision or some kind of hallucination that the ladies were having. But He was actually there. The other interesting thing that we notice is that Jesus accepted that worship from the women. As they're there, Jesus, uh, and, and they come to Him, they hold His feet, they worship Him. He accepts that. He lets them do that. He understands who He is. He understands that He is actually one to be worshipped. We see in places like Revelation 19 and Revelation 22, where John, as he's receiving a vision from an angel, his desire is to, is to fall before the angel and worship the angel. And both times the angel says, don't do it. Don't do it. I am not the one to be worshipped here. Worship God only. And here the women come and they fall at Jesus' feet and He accepts their worship. Because He knows He is the one to be worshipped. He accepts that worship that the women bring to Him. Do we worship Jesus? Do we bow down and, and uh, clasp His feet? Do we hold on to Him like that? Or do we put Him up on our God shelf with the other gods in our life and say, well, here is the one that I worship on for a few minutes on Sunday morning, uh, but here's my bank account that I worship Monday through Saturday. Here are my extracurricular activities that I worship every evening of every day. Every spare minute I get, that's what I do. Who are we worshiping? 
Do we really worship the one that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19, where Paul says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things were created by him, by Jesus, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the one that we worship. The one who is over and above all things. The one who created all things. The one who is over all thrones, all rulers, all authorities. This is the one that we worship. And this is the one these, the two Marys worship. This is who we are worshiping. The same Jesus. What do we do with Jesus? Do we just keep him in our back pocket in reserve for those emergency situations? Or do we really worship him as the, the one who is over all things, above all things, and in charge of all things. We need to be careful that we worship Jesus with everything that we have. So here we have a look at the, at the women, the two women who go, and, uh, who go to the tomb after, and they experience that resurrection. What a surprise they got when they went to the tomb. They found that the defeated one had made a comeback, and they were filled with joy. And really, we can see lots of things here in this resurrection account, but I really want us to see that joy. Easter Sunday is when the defeat of Good Friday has been turned to victory. Easter Sunday is when the victory over sin is revealed. Easter Sunday is the day when Jesus picks up the broken pieces of our lives and makes us whole. We should rejoice. This is a time of rejoicing. This is the day of rejoicing. We can be joyful every day of the year because of what we have in Jesus, but this is the special day when we rejoice because He is risen. He is risen indeed. That should fill us with joy. It should overflow in our hearts and in our lives. We should be different because we have the joy of the resurrection in our lives. Others should be able to see that joy that we have, that joy that comes from knowing Jesus and having Him in our lives and having that new life that He brings, that rescuing from the dead that we experience because Jesus has been brought back from the dead. We need to respond to the resurrection with joy. This Easter Sunday, we should uh, be filled with joy. And as the worship team comes, if they can come, and we want to close our service today with a couple of songs of joy and celebration. And I just want to encourage all of you to join in the celebration, to feel the joy of Jesus and, his, and the resurrection that, he's, that He gives us and the life that He gives us through the resurrection. His life gives us life. And so we want to sing a couple of songs of, that reflect that joy and that celebration that we should feel as we come uh, to this day, Easter Sunday. Before they lead us, let me just pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You so much for Your Son Jesus who came, who died for us, and who You lifted back to life. Lord, we thank You for that, for that joy that we can have because You have defeated death, because You have brought victory, 
You have brought victory to Jesus. You've given us victory in our lives over sin and death. And Lord, we are so grateful. We're so thankful. Lord, fill our hearts with joy. Fill our hearts with peace. Fill our hearts with celebration over what You have done. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, Amen.